This is the fifth in a series of broadcasts on the question of listening in order to help others. We've been talking from Proverbs 18 about two verses that are very important in this matter of listening. The first is Proverbs 18.13 that says, He who answers before he hears, it is a folly to him and a reproach. We've been trying to say underneath of that verse that we must hear the person's problem. We must find out all the facts before we try to bring an answer to it. Too many of us are too ready to jump to a conclusion or to give an answer for various reasons much too soon. Let's get the facts first. Let's hear the whole situation out. Then we looked last time at Proverbs 18.15. A discerning mind gets knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks information. We're not merely listening for feelings. We're not merely listening, but we're listening with a discerning mind. We're putting our whole mind into it, trying to understand, trying to be able to sort out the things that we hear, trying to be able to distinguish between the things that differ, trying to follow ahead to see where this is leading and what the next question that we shall ask shall be. Notice that in this passage, it says that the listener is listening actively for facts. The discerning mind gets knowledge. He has to go after that knowledge in order to get it, and he has to use discernment in order to ask the right kinds of questions to get it. And the ear of the wise seeks information. He's after factual data, information, but he has to seek it. It doesn't always come from the counselee right away. Sometimes the counselee doesn't really know which, which information to give. He may be trying all he can, and he may be giving truth. He may be not trying to deceive in the slightest way, but he may not know which information is pertinent. For instance, if a person who is having bizarre behavior, let's say uh, he thinks that he has seen bugs or cobwebs all over the room, and he wonders why he had this hallucination, if he comes in talking to you about all kinds of things, thinking these might be helpful suggestions, but he doesn't know the fact that he has stayed up two and a half or three days without sleep studying for final exams, and he doesn't know the fact that two and a half or more days of significant sleep loss like that may, in some people, lead to all the effects of LSD, then he may not even tell you about the sleep loss because he may not see any connection between that and his problem. He may start telling you about his grandmother. He may start telling you about any number of things, but he doesn't think to tell you about the sleep loss. So you have to know about this fact in order to ask him about the sleep loss. And so the one who seeks the wisdom has to have a discerning mind to know what to ask in order to get knowledge. And he has to seek the information by wisdom. Uh, that is, he has to know when to ask what uh, so that he knows that he's asking the right questions at the right time in order to get the right information. And so you see, listening is an active thing. It's a thing that the listener himself gets involved in. It, he's not passive, just listening to the counselee rattle off whatever the counselee wants to talk about. But he structures the situation quite carefully, asking what he wants to know about. And then he has to, of course, know what to ask. And he listens for information and for knowledge, that is, for factual data rather than merely for feelings. Indeed, feeling is not once mentioned in conjunction with listening anywhere in the Bible. And yet there are people today who, in the name of Christianity even, who are saying what we must listen for is the feelings. That doesn't come from the Bible. 
That comes from secular counseling ideas. It comes from a whole school of counseling that grows out of our feeling-oriented age. Do you realize how feeling-oriented we are today? I often have students say to me something like this. Say, Prof, what do you feel about such and such a subject? I usually answer in some kind of a facetious way in order to point out to them how feeling-oriented their language is. They say, what do you feel about such and such a subject? And I say, lousy. They say, no, 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 no. I want to get your feelings on the subject. I say, that's what you got. You see, they don't even know how to use the words anymore. Opinion, ideas, beliefs, convictions, uh, anything of that sort. That's what they're asking for, but they use the word feeling to cover all of those concepts. The word feeling has become so large in our day that it stretches across the board. And we've got to be aware of that fact because we live in a feeling-oriented age. And many of our problems develop out of this feeling orientation. We say with the bumper stickers, if it feels good, do it. Or more frequently, in the converse, if you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. And a lot of people have even rationalized this business of following feelings to the place where they say, well, if I don't feel like it, surely God doesn't want me to do it because I'd be a hypocrite if I did it when I didn't feel like it, wouldn't I? And we say, absolutely not. It's not hypocrisy to go against your feelings. In many situations, that's simply a matter of straightforward, responsible living. After all, I never feel like getting up in the morning, but I have to do it in spite of my feelings. I have to do it no matter how I feel and it's just responsible living to do so. And so we've got to get everything straightened around in this feeling-oriented age in which we live. And so if we're trying to help another person, we don't deny his feelings, we, we acknowledge that they're there, we may even want to sympathize with his feelings at times. I understand that your situation's rough, Joe. I, I can understand that fully. But let's get down to the facts and see what the situation is, because if it is that rough, we'd better find out the facts so that we can discover what God wants you to do about that rough situation so that you can get out of it. And you know, a person really appreciates a business-like down-to-the-facts approach far more than this kind of empathetic approach in which a person says, I'm trying to feel what you feel. I'm trying to understand where you are. I'm trying to enter into your situation. You know, it's kind of like the fellow who's down underneath the automobile and one of these feeling-oriented types comes along. And he says, hey, what's wrong? What's your problem? The guy says, ah, I'm trying to get something loose here, and I can't get this nut uh, loose. It just, it's stuck. And the other guy says, well, that, that's really difficult. I, I feel what you feel. I lie where you lie. I pull what you... The guy says, huh, what's going on up there? Hey, will you get out of here? i got enough trouble with one nut. But then when a real counselor comes along, a biblical counselor, he says, hey, what's wrong? The guy says, ah, I can't get this nut loose. He says, wait a minute. He takes his coat off. He doesn't talk about how he feels. He doesn't talk about empathy. He doesn't talk about sympathy. He doesn't talk about entering into the guy's problem or lying where he lies or feeling what he feels. He just takes his coat off and he gets down under the car. And he helps pull on the, on the wrench with the guy to try to get the nut open. And he doesn't have to say a word about his empathy or his feelings. As a matter of fact, the person who shows his concern shows his empathy by digging in on the problem, trying to understand the problem, getting the facts, digging in to understand what the data are so that he can do something about them, this is the one who is most deeply appreciated by the counselee. So don't start all this stuff about, oh, you do feel bad, oh, yes, I know, little Johnny, how bad you feel, and so on, and so on, and so on. We've been taught all this kind of thing. But you know, what we really need to do 
is to acknowledge the person's feelings, how serious the problem may be, and then take it so seriously that we dig for the facts so that we can come up with God's solution from God's Word. Anybody who feels strongly enough about another to dig for the facts, to sweat out the difficult angles of the problem with the counselee, who will work his head off trying to find God's solutions to this man's problem, will express enough feelings along the way without ever having said a word about them. He will show it in the perspiration on his brow, on the concern with which he asks questions, in the way in which he digs in. This is the true expression of feelings, by working hard at helping the other person solve his problem God's way. Lord, help us not to talk about feelings, but really to show our deep concern in work. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen.